Man, if that don't pump your chili, your fire's not lit. I'm just telling you. Mercy. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. One of the songs that we sang today just kind of just hit me. It said, in the presence of Jehovah. Presence of Jehovah. I, I, my prayer is that we will be in the presence of Jehovah now. But I want to encourage you during the week to be in the presence of Jehovah. I want to encourage you just to take time, not find the time, take the time, to get alone with Jehovah, get alone with God the Father, get alone with Jesus, your Lord and Savior, and take your Bible and and open it and, and begin just to read it. And, and go to a, a room where you're just kind of there by yourself. And as you read the word and, and meditate on his word and think about it on his word. Get into the presence of Jehovah. I personally like to go to a room. Usually it's this room. Turn the lights off. And just read and meditate and to think and to pray. Sometimes put a little music on, a little praise music. Just so I can get into the presence of Jehovah. If you're not used to being in the presence of Jehovah, you do not know what you're missing. Okay? And I say that with all the love. You don't know what you're missing. Because you are with God Almighty. You have the ear of the creator of the universe that the Bible says is listening to you and wanting to bless you because he loves you so much. Man, I would encourage you (laughs) today, sometime today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day it is, take your Bible, get along with God and get in his presence. It don't get no better than that, I promise you. Brian, let's pray for him. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to pray this, Lord. Come unto me, all you labor. You bet. Every lady. Jesus, you say, I will give you rest. Father, we thank you that you sent your, your son to us, Father. We've already experienced your presence this morning. Amen. Thank you, Brian. The title of the message is God is Love. And I told you I was gonna, we were going to read the look at today. Maybe his most famous verse, his most important verse to him. And that is John 3.16. 
where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That, my friend, is a great, great verse. We're going to look at that today in just a minute. We'll get there and, and see, because we're still working on God is. And we've looked at a lot of his attributes, and, and one of his biggest ones, I guess, if you would, would be God is love. You know, God has, sometimes has a different, interesting, crazy way in which he wants to get his word out. Okay, it's just, it's just not all preachers, it's just not all you guys that go, go tell somebody else. I mean, he, he's got some crazy things that, that he does, that he's done in the past, to get the gospel out. In 2009, the Florida Gators were playing, and I hate to say this, the OU Sooners in the semifinal game of the national championship. I'm not going to tell you how that game ended, but very similar to last night's ending. And a guy by the name of Tim Tebow was there. And Tim, like, like a lot of football guys do, they put this black under their eyes. I mean, you've seen them. You know, they put it here. I, I guess it makes them look tough. I don't know. I, I don't know. I thought about wearing it today, but I, I, nah, maybe not. I wouldn't look right. But it's that black right there. And, he, and on, his, on his black paints right there, he wrote John 3.16. John 3.16. They said during the game and, and, and even after the game, there was 90 million hits on John 3.16. People were looking at, what does John 3.16 mean? And, and the good part is 90 million people got to read that verse. The bad part of that is 90 million people didn't know what that verse said. But how better to get God's word out than to have 90 million folks Google John 3.16 and read it? That's crazy. In uh, 2002, 2012, sorry, uh, Tim Tebow was at it again. Okay? His Denver Broncos are, are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he got that paint right there on his, on his cheekbones. John. 316. And, and, and this game became what is known as the 316 game because only God could have put these numbers together. It, it couldn't happen any other way. Here is what happened in that game. Uh, Tim Tebow threw for 316 yards. He rushed for an average of 3.16 yards per carry. His passing, he averaged 31.6 yards per completion. You can look this up. I didn't make this stuff up. That is amazing. Uh, let's see. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers had, the, had possession of the, of the ball for 31 minutes and 6 seconds. The CBS rating for the game was 31.6. Pittsburgh threw an interception, threw one interception on a play that was third down and 16 yards to go. Denver came into the playoff game having lost the last three games 
by an average of, yeah, you know, 16 points. It has been proclaimed the John 3.16 game. Isn't that amazing? Only God could do that. Only God could put those numbers together. And what God did, he used one man with black paint on his cheeks, John 3.16. And now the world remember that game as a game known as John 3.16. You talk about spreading the gospel, using one person to spread the gospel. That is amazing. He can use a football player. He can use a helmet head. He can use a game. He can use you and me. To spread the gospel. Unbelievable. God is love. That is the essence of who he is. 1 John 4, 8 says this. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. 1 John 4, 16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. You see, the Apostle John, as he's writing those verses, he is telling us, you want to know how you can really know if you've been born again? He said, you love God, and you love others. If you love God, God will abide in you, and because he abides in you, you have the capability to love somebody else. You can know you've been saved by, by if the fact you know you love God and you love others. You know, God loves us just the way we are. I want you to understand that. He loves us just the way we are. He says, he says you know, you don't have to clean up any of your baggage. You, you don't have to do any of that. He takes us just how we are when we come to him. He takes us as the good and the bad and the ugly. He takes us. In our frustrations, in our rejections, in our, in our disappointments. And he says, all I want you to do, friends, is just come to me. Come to me who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me who are broken and rejected and despised. Come to me, and I will heal the issues that you have going on. Because you see, when we come to Christ... When we literally come to Christ, he, the Bible tells us He will cleanse us up. He will take our past and He will erase our past through His loving forgiveness. And then when we come to Christ and we accept His Son as Lord and Savior, He transforms us from the inside out. We have a new heart. And I've said this a hundred thousand times. When we are saved... He gives us what? He gives us a new plan in life, a new priority in life, a new passion in life, and He gives us a new purpose in life. You see, that is what we would call a heart transplant. That's what He does when we come to Him. And why would He do all that? Why would He do that just for you and I? Because the Bible says God is love and that God loves us. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. If any man is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's what he does when we come to Christ. Isaiah 118, I like this verse too because this talks about what he does to our, to our sins. He says, though our sins are as scarlet, they will be made white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will be like wool. 
when we come to Christ, and because God is love, and because God loves us, and we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, He gives us a new heart, and He takes those sins that are just glaring up at the Lord, and He changes those from red to white. Those have all been washed through the blood of Jesus. John 3.16. What a great verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay? We're going to look at parts of those today, that verse. We're going to kind of dissect it. I, I, I'm a little bit weary of, of, of even trying to preach this verse, because this verse doesn't need to be preached. This verse speaks for itself. But we're going to anyway, because as we've been looking at God as love... I think we need to look at this verse. The first thing we see in this verse is the quality of God's love. The quality of God's love. For God so loved the world. And you look at that and, and there's a word in there that just kind of just stands out right there. And the word is so. It's such a small little word. But this small little word has such a huge Meaning, He could have said, you know, God loves the world. But he did not do that. He said, God so loves the world. What does that so loved look like? When God so loved us, what does that look like? I believe a couple of things. I believe that God so loved points us to the Garden of Gethsemane. When, when there was a conflict going on, a spiritual conflict, would Jesus submit his life to the Father? Would he submit his life to the Lord? And as he struggled with that, and all the demons of hell have gathered in Gethsemane to make sure that he would not submit. I believe so love points us to Gethsemane. I think so love points us to the pain of 39 lashes that just shredded his body to pieces. I believe so loved points us to the cross where he took the thorns on his head and he took the nails on his feet. So love points us in that direction. So love points us to the fact that when, when the horror of, of Jesus becoming sin, he was the perfect lamb of God. He had never experienced sin. And all of a sudden the Bible says the one who had no sin now became sin for you and I. So much love points us to the horror that Jesus accepted sin in his own body. I think so much love points us to his death on the cross. I think so much love points us to the fact that as he's on that cross, Father, why have you forsaken me? God loved him so much that he couldn't even look on his son. As he was, became sin for you and I. I think so much love points us to his death, his burial, and his resurrection. There's nothing that shouts, I love you so much, than the cross. Okay, let me repeat that. There is nothing that shouts, I love you so much, than the cross. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. That's so biblical. The cross points us to so much 
love. The cross also points, so much love is also pointing to his amazing grace. His amazing grace. You know, grace has given us something that we do not deserve. Did you know you do not deserve forgiveness? You do not deserve salvation. You do not deserve and at home in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ and his father. You do not deserve that. You do not deserve any blessings that he wants to give to you. But so much love tells us that it points us to this amazing grace that says, I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to bless you anyway. I'm going to offer salvation to you anyway. And why do I want to do that? Because I love you so much. I love you so much points us to his marvelous mercies. You see, the word mercy says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. What we deserve. What do we deserve as sinners? We deserve separation from holy God. We deserve punishment from holy God. We have, at one point in our lives, had rejected holy Jesus in our lives. And we deserve punishment. We deserve separation. But God so loved that he gave us his marvelous mercy that says, I am not, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to punish you. I will be patient with you. Second Peter 3, 9 says what? What is, it? What is 2 Peter 3, 9 said? Oh my gosh, I lost it. I don't want any to perish. But all come to repentance. I don't want anybody perishing. And you see, God so loved you and I that he, he gave us that marvelous mercy because I don't want you, 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 and you to perish, to die. I want all of you to come to repentance. You see, God so loved us that it's so, for, for me, it's, it's so hard to comprehend that phrase. God so loved there are some pictures of it that I just gave you, but it's still hard to understand. It's hard for me to fathom that holy God would have sent his son to die on that cross, such a cruel, cruel death. I, I, I can't just hardly wrap my, my mind around that. I can't grasp the fact that how much love was poured in on that cross for you and I. I mean, I can't just, I just can't grasp it. But I think it, it, it surpasses all of my understanding here on this earth. How much God so loved you and me. But I can promise you one thing. I might not grasp it all here on this whole earth. I might not catch it right now. I might not be able to get it. But I can promise you one thing. When you leave this whole earth and you are escorted by God's angels into the presence of Jehovah God. You will at that point understand what God so loved you means. I can promise you that. When we get into heaven and we see what God has prepared for us, and we will understand at that point the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross. God so loved us. I don't know about you, but that's going to be a glorious, glorious time. When we get to the point in our lives where we go, wow, I get it now. I get what that cross was. I get the blood on that cross. I get the resurrection. I now completely get it. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much. The second thing I want to look at, the object of God's love. The object of the God's love. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world, that is the people of the world. That is the people of the world. You know, the world is made up of the unlovely and the unloving. It's made up of losers and loners. It's made up of arrogant and evil. But God loves every one of them. God loves those that have red skin. God loves those who have white skin. God loves those who have brown skin. God loves those who have black skin. God loves every one of them. God loves those that have blue eyes and green eyes and brown eyes. He loves those that have eyes that are slanted. And he loves those that has eyes that are ovals. God loves every one of them. They say that there's 7 billion people in the world today. God loves every one of them. Why is that? Because God is love. Even those that reject him, even those that spit in his face, God still loves them. And a beautiful thing about that is, did you know that there is enough love, there is enough forgiveness, there is enough grace, and there is enough mercy at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross. The foot of the cross is wide enough to to hold seven billion people at one time. While Jesus was hanging on the cross. We know the story as he's hanging there and the thief and the criminal on the left is shouting insults at Jesus. Making fun of him. Yeah, you're the Christ. Save yourself. And then after you do that, save me. And just yelling all kind of hurtful things. And we know, but there was another guy that was hanging beside him, another thief, another criminal, who's hanging on the right of Christ. And we remember as, it, as they're hanging there, the one on the right says to the one on the left, don't you get it? We deserve being here. We deserve hanging on this cross. We are evil people. But don't you get it? That guy right there in the middle, he doesn't deserve it. There was just something so special about Jesus, even as he hung on the cross, even during his darkest hours of his life. Something was special. And this guy recognized it. And he says, remember me when you come into my kingdom. Act of faith. And because Jesus loved him and he loved him. And this guy stepped towards Jesus figuratively, if you would, from the cross. Jesus said what? Today you'll be with me in paradise. You see, the foot of the cross is big enough for seven billion people. It's also big enough for just one person. It's big enough for you and for me. If you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, the foot of the cross is big enough for you. Why is that? Because God is love. Aren't you thankful that God loves every person in this old world? The third thing, real quickly, I want to look at the price of God's love. For God so loved the world, he gave his what? His only begotten son. I'm I'm the father of two boys. And I cannot imagine. (laughs) 
I cannot imagine saying, okay, guys, uh, uh, one of you, we're going to go experience this cruel death, this painful death. One of you are going to go, Drew, you're just going to get up there. I can't imagine having to do that. Much less do it for people that despised him and rejected him and mocked him and even hated him. But yet that's what exactly what God did, did he not? He offered his only son, put him on a cross to die, shed his blood for us. And he did it. Why? Because he is love, yes. And he loves the world, yes. And he did it so that you and I would never have to pay a penalty for our sins. That's why he did it. You know, the price was heavy, wasn't it? I mean, I, he gave his only son. 1 John 4, 9 says this, By this the love of God was revealed to us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, so that we might live through him. That we might live through him. The Bible says you want to be born, you're born again, you have an opportunity, the Bible says, to have an abundant life, John 10, 10. The Bible says we'll live today in the security of, of Christ. We will live tomorrow in the security of God Almighty who protects our inheritance. The Bible says, 1 Peter, protects our inheritance by the power of God that our salvation can never be taken away from us and we can never, ever lose it. We can live today and we'll live for eternity because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Romans 8.32 says, He did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for all of us. What great love. God's sacrificial love. God's unconditional love. And guess what? He did it all for you and me. So that we would never have to pay a penalty for our sins. He gave His only Son just for you and I. Thank you, Father, for doing that. The choice of God's love. For God so loved the world that whosoever, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes. Whosoever believes. What do you have to believe? Well, I believe the sun comes up in the east and the west. Is that good enough? No, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that He came and lived a perfect life. I believe He came and died on a cross. And I believe He came back the third day. Providing salvation for you and I. Whosoever believes. Are you going to believe that? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says what? You shall be saved. You shall be saved. God said whoever, whosoever believes. You know the grace of God is sufficient for everybody. All seven billion of us. But it's only efficient for those that accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've got to understand that. He loves all of us. His grace is for every person. But it's only efficient for those who accept Christ as Lord and Savior. And we know and we know that there's lots of folks out there that choose not to do that. They choose to reject Jesus. They choose to live their own life how they want to. They don't, will not submit their life to anybody, a, a Holy Father or Jesus or anybody. We're going to do our own thing. And we don't want to have any part of grace and salvation or God or Jesus in their lives. Don't believe any of that. Well, a couple things on that one. Number one, 
God still loves that person. Okay? God still loves that person. God still loves that person who has rejected his son Jesus. Okay? Rejected him. But the other side of that coin is God will honor that rejection. And by that I mean if, if, if a person chooses in this old life to reject Christ as Lord and Savior. God says, okay. And, and that's your choice. Free will. And if you choose to do that, said, I will, I will honor that and I will allow you to reject me and my son for eternity. You don't want to have any part of me today, right now, in your life. Okay. But I will honor that and will let you reject me for an eternity. That's the choice of God's love. We have that choice, do we not? To choose him or choose rejection. Real quickly, number five. The promise of God's love. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish. That word perish is the opposite of everlasting life. That word perish means to be separated from God forever. That's what the word perish means. We've talked a lot about this on Wednesday night. That every person in this room, every person outside of this room, when they die, when they die, will spend some place for eternity. Your soul will spend some place in eternity. You won't be laying in a grave, laying there forever and forever. The Bible says, no, that's not what you happens. And we need to understand as people that, that when this life is over, we take our last breath here. We will take our first breath someplace else. You have to understand that. You have to grasp that. And so many people go, well, you know, and I get it. Rest in peace. Your soul is in one or two places. Your soul is not there. Your soul is in heaven with Heavenly Father. Or your soul is separated from Him in a place called hell. Acts 2.21 says this, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from perishing (laughs) and separation from holy God. I, I, I just don't think people get the concept that when death comes, you're either in one or two places, that soul of yours. The last one I want to give to you real quick on this great verse. It's the fulfillment of God's love. And this is the best part. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us when we die, as a believer, we are escorted into the very presence of holy God. There we are. And there we will be with other Christian friends, other Christian family members, other Christian co-workers, other Christian people. And we'll be there forever. And that is fulfillment of God's love. You have everlasting life. You will live with Him forever and forever and forever. The verse I really love, 1 Corinthians 2.9. And I've I've used this a hundred times too. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, or the heart of man can imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. You see, that's fulfillment of his love. You have everlasting life. And we cannot even imagine on this side of heaven 
what he's got ready, prepared for us. And that offer is for every person in this world. But it only applies to those who have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Drew, uh, uh, Dirk, put that verse up again, will you please, bud? There it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him puts their faith and trust in him who accepts him as Lord and Savior shall never perish, shall never be separated from holy God, shall never spend a second in the lake of fire and brimstone, but will have everlasting life with our Heavenly Father and other Christian friends. Society tells us, and we hear this all the time, and I know this is just a belief that we hear, that, uh, you know, everybody is going to heaven. Everybody's going to heaven. You hear that? That's the philosophy that when you die, a merciful God is is going to... Change his mind, if you would, and allow everyone into heaven. And, and people believe that, and they live their lives according to that. And, and, and all I can say about that, that is a lie from the pits of hell. Because, you see, the enemy wants you to believe that. The enemy wants you to believe that. They want you to go, ah, yeah, God ain't going to do that. Are you serious? We serve a loving, but a just God who will deal with the unrighteousness of this world one day is it because he doesn't love them he loves them he loves them so much that he will allow them to reject him and bring punishment and discipline into their lives because he loves them we were were at the house the other day and Kimber is starting to act like her granny and she was doing something and, you know, trying to kick the dog. I said, you stop. Stop it right now. And I, and I put her, I didn't spank her, but I put her in timeout. And she didn't want to be there. And she tried to get up and I put her back. She tried to get up, I put her back. Tried to get up, put her back. Get up again. No. And she's crying and bawling and carrying on like, like her granny. And, and just going nuts. And I said, you, you're going to mind me. You're going to mind me. Gets up again, puts her down. You're going to mind me? Yes. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? To be mean to her? No, because I love her so much. I cannot allow her to be disrespectful and disobedient to me. Because I love her so much. Did I enjoy doing it? No. But I had to. The same thing is with God our Father. He wants us to love Him and wants to respect Him. And when we don't, believer, He will correct us. Romans 12. Unbeliever, He will try to correct us and draw Him, draw you to Him. Why? Because He loves us. Not in punishment, because he loves us. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead.
and you shall be saved. As we begin our invitation time, let's bow our heads, please. On those pins that we had made up for our church.